Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host attorney Rodney Dowell here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys improve their practice. We're glad you could listen today on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, Director of the Massachusetts Law Office Management Program, offering free consultations to Massachusetts attorneys to improve their business practices. For more information on LOMAP services, visit our website at www.masslomap.org. That's M-A-S-S-L-O-M-A-P dot org. I'd like to take this uh, time to thank our sponsors, EnterYourHours.com, an online legal billing software solution, Firm Manager by LexisNexis, a cloud-based case management solution, and SunTrust, offering private wealth management solutions at SunTrust.com backslash law. Although most of the attorneys uh, I've worked with over the years are really good advocates for uh, them, for their uh, clients and uh, for people they're representing, I often find that they're not so good at communicating with their own uh, clients one-on-one or their employees, their partners, or sometimes even their family. Uh, I've often uh, consulted with uh, attorneys who take a very passive-aggressive approach to communicating with these uh, folks, uh, which we find is very disruptive uh, to the law firms. Uh, To help us sort out the issues behind this inability to have difficult conversations, I felt very fortunate uh, to be able to invite Schiffer Burke today to join us. Schiffer, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thank you, Rodney. So I'm so excited to speak with you about how professionals can start handling difficult conversations in a healthy manner. Uh, Schiffer has a national reputation as a premier rapport-building coach and financial behavior specialist with particular expertise in communicating with about difficult topics. She earned her B.A. in psychology and education from Boston University and an M.S. in professional counseling from Purdue University. She is the author and co-host of Shrink Wrap, a syndicated cable TV show, and has been featured in Business Week on Business Week TV, in Investment News, and interviewed by L.A. Times, NPR's Marketplace, among many other national news outlets. Shiver, that's a really impressive resume, and I really appreciate you taking the time once again to join us today. Well. Thanks, Rodney. It's um, it's actually my pleasure. It was fun to meet you before, and um, I think we'll have a, a good, productive, and interesting conversation, and hopefully we'll learn from one another as well as entertain and um, inform the audience. Exactly. I think that's that's right. And I think the first time I, I met you, Schiffer, we were actually, I saw you do a presentation to attorneys about talking to clients about money. And that's one of those really difficult conversations. And what, you know, one of my initial questions is what makes these conversations so difficult? And kind of what what can we do to make those difficult conversations easier? Okay. Well, it's a big question and that could, you know, potentially we may use the whole time around that, but in- yeah. feel free to interrupt me. Okay. So, in terms of what makes general conversations difficult. Um, they're, they're often situations where we feel like our opinion may be different from the other person, so there's some variability in opinion. Emotions run 
sort of strong or very strong, and again, that may be our own emotion um, and or our anticipated or expected, we expect the other person's going to have a lot of emotion when we bring up whatever this is. And the stakes may be high, and that may be literally the stakes may be high. We're worried about getting fired or we're worried about an employee quitting or a client leaving, or again, we may have the assumption um, or the feeling that the stakes may be high, even though we often have kind of a broken gauge about that. Um, so these could be as simple as, let's say, asking an employee to follow up on clients who haven't paid, or as complicated as needing to talk to an employee about who you suspect is stealing from you or is abusing drugs. Um, could be as straightforward or simple as a colleague or partner who talks so loud in the next room you can't hear yourself think um, to a colleague or partner who keeps making the kind of mistakes that literally put you in jeopardy of being censured. So, you know, what I'm trying to say is there's a really wide um, array of things that we would define as difficult. And often the way we know they're difficult is we're avoiding them. Or we blow them, you know, one or the other. Um, right. So, you okay with me me going on and saying a yeah, little bit more? Yeah, please do. I'm really interested in, in where you're going with this, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, um, the, the sort of the importance of this is when conversations matter the most, when they move from, you know, pretty comfortable and casual to really important, we're generally on our worst behavior. We either retreat or we attack. And there's a really scientific reason for this, and I love all this um, neuroscience, so um, I'll make this really short. But fundamentally, um, I think there's kind of a conspiracy with the way we're built. So what I'm saying is we're designed wrong. Um, if you think about a recent conversation that was important and has this quality of being difficult, maybe somebody said something you disagree with or you tried to bring up a subject that mattered to you and you got this physiological reaction, hairs on the back of your neck stand up or your throat tightens or your stomach hurts or your heart pumps hard, you start to sweat. Well, there's a real good reason for that, and that's that our adrenal glands start shooting adrenaline into our bloodstream. And what happens then is our brain literally diverts blood from activities it decides isn't, aren't very important to high-priority tasks it thinks are important, like hitting or running. And in prehistoric times, that was really important. Getting away from the Bengal tiger who was going to eat us was much more important than thinking. So we go into this kind of fight or flight. You know, when the, mar the large muscles of the arms and legs get more blood than the brain and the higher level reasoning parts of our brain get less. So fundamentally what's happening is we get hijacked by our emotions. So instead of our best thinking, we, chase, we face our most challenging conversations with really, really, um, we're impaired um, cognitively at that point because of our genetic shaping. So instead of maybe being thoughtfully persuasive or intelligent or attentive, we're on attack or avoid, fight or flight. So... That's why they're difficult. 
Yeah, and that I mean, but it, that strikes me as so interesting for attorneys because I mean, well, we're not all litigators, obviously, but most attorneys, I mean, do some litigation or at least do some negotiations on behalf of clients in adversarial situations. You know, not every uh, negotiation is a win-win situation, certainly, uh, and I think in most cases, most attorneys kind of see it as you know a win-lose. So you would think, like, because we're so geared or, you know, have kind of been trained to do those negotiations, maybe we wouldn't have such strong reactions that that, that create these this scenario that makes these all difficult. What do you think that disconnect is between, you know, what we do on a daily basis for others, but we may not be able to do it for ourselves? just answered the question in some yeah. ways. I think it's very different when we're advocating for others. I think we know our role. In a certain way, we're, I know we're taking it, people are taking it personally in some sense. The attorney wants to win, wants to do the best for their client, wants to impress the client, the judge, the other attorneys, you know, just, so there's that. But it's not personal in the way that um, your husband or wife or um, someone close to you, a colleague, is, it's, it's not close like that. Uh-huh. Um, it doesn't have the feeling of, of what it will I'll say home when you were growing up. So the buttons that get pushed are really different. And I think when we know our role, our role as an attorney and I'm saying our, I mean, it's really your, I'm, I'm not an attorney, but our role in our professional life is pretty clear. And there's a way in which we walk into the courtroom or walk into our offices and we put our life, like if, if it were a suitcase, we sort of put like our suitcase of what goes on in our personal life at the door and we walk through and come to our office a, a lot cleaner, if you will, of these um, sort of reactions. We've learned not to take it personally in that context or, you know, learned more how to not take it personally. We have more Teflon in that experience. And I think, though, I do want to say that I think attorneys are in really good shape to learn the skills that they need to do this, um, you know, take it less personally in their more personal environment because they have the, the muscle memory of at least knowing how to do it in a certain context. You know, the the person who is an accountant or some, you know, in some other profession doesn't have the day-to-day experience of um the the contentious um what's the word I want conflict-ridden sort of environment that they are maneuvering. But I do think there's a sort of state-dependent or context-dependent kind of um reaction that we don't think to generalize. I told you a story when when we were um, first talking about setting up the show of having for years and years I worked with state troopers. And I can remember countless times bumping into this exact situation. Here we had these very tough, very assertive, flash-aggressive kind of men and women who could take care of themselves and did all day long. And when they had to do personal things, I remember a situation where um, 
one of the troopers came and said, you know, my son has a learning problem and I need to go to the school and I don't want to go and I don't want to talk to the teachers. And I literally asked, you know, if you had your uniform on, would this be an easier task? And he was stunned when his answer was yes. And when we started to talk about it, of course, he knew what to do in uniform. There was clarity for him about what to do when he was in the role of a state police officer. So I think there is some way that when I do coaching with attorneys, I really bring in that the experience you just described. Uh-huh. And the attorneys on this call can try to remember, huh, you know, how do I do it? So they can tune into what do I do in the courtroom when something comes up and it feels like a personal attack in some way? How do I how do I manage? How do I regulate the emotion that I'm feeling? How do I keep from feeling very much at all and stay in my the cortex is a part of our brain that's thinking and that's what we want to engage? How do I stay in my cortex? How do I stay in my best thinking? People may people don't take the time to notice just never occurs to them that um, that they can build that bridge from where they're successful and employing these strategies to um, where they're discovering that they're again either avoidant or aggressive. Um, so is that? Uh-huh. Yeah, no, that's I. That is helpful. I think. I mean, and and in some respects, I see it as. Uh, in, in, in learning to basically maintain that what what I always considered your your professional duty as an attorney to be like a third party objective person, which allowed you to maintain objectivity and and la, you know less emotion about the product or the the issue when you were discussing it with other persons. And if you can, what I hear you saying, and and correct me if I'm wrong, is being able to take that objectivity. And apply it to these more difficult conversations that you that have personal implications. That's right. I mean, that's exactly right. How do you stay curious, stay mobilized? Um, and I guess this is the that we're moving into the how do you make this easier? How do you make difficult conversations right. how do you easier? Make, yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, I think in my coaching, um, fundamentally, I think about. Um, what my husband calls the basics, learn the basics. He's a sailor, and for anyone out there, generalize to your sport. But um, and I may and I may bludgeon this a little because I'm not a sailor. But um, having listened to Jay for so long, you know, if you think about being a beginning sailor and having high or shifting winds, you know, the high winds can really knock you around. You know, the the mast is is shifting hard from side to side, and you really don't know how to use any of the available tools. You don't know to what to do with your sail. You don't know that if the wind is really high, just drop your sail, and then it's like there's no wind. Um, but once you've learned basic skills, the same amount of wind is just infinitely more manageable because you can access the tools that, that you have. And we all have these tools Internally, and attorneys obviously have them and don't even know to use them. In some other professions, we're having to really teach people some of those skills. So once you have those basic communication skills down 
and the basic self-management skills, you can have much more successful interactions, much more outcomes, and you don't have to avoid the tough conversation. So I think one of the things that happens, I guess I'm going back into why they're tough or a little bit right. of something, but what happens is we avoid them, then we dread them, then we have more <laughs> avoidance, and we go through this cycle of kind of dread and avoidance, and sometimes what we do is then we blow up, um, or we stay, we keep avoiding. And sometimes we don't even really, whatever we might call, un, what I call, kind of unpack what the dread is about. Um, and if we figure out what we're worried about, then it's much easier. And I'm saying worried about because oftentimes the aggression is um, just a, 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 the, a, it's a different manifestation of fear or worry. We either get aggressive because we're nervous or we retreat um, and avoid because we're nervous. But it comes from the same, mm-hmm. same place because sometimes we feel like the risks are too high. And one of those risks that gets even higher is if you think you're going to blow it by um, abandoning the playing field or attacking the person you're talking to, then the risk is really high. Um, we don't we don't want to start an interaction and then retreat. We don't want to start an interaction and then blow up. So we need to ourselves self-regulate, and then that third-party objectivity is how do we keep from blowing it by getting by not getting reactive if the other person starts to get upset or reactive, right? So we have ourselves and then the other person that we're trying to keep stabilized. And there are some really clear strategies for how you do that. Um, well, let's uh, let's take a quick break and get a word from our sponsors, and then we'll get back to uh, you telling us about how to do that exact uh, thing. Great. All right. So, uh, quick word from our sponsors: EnterYourHours.com for manager by LexisNexis and SunTrust. When we return, more with Schiffer Burke. EnterYourHours.com is the online legal billing software solution that's taken the legal community by storm. EnterYourHours.com has all the advanced features you expect from your legal billing system. But for those of you who just want a simple way to bill, EnterYourHours.com has you covered too. The software is ready to go with easy-to-follow online help, and the default settings will have you sending professional invoices in minutes. Try EnterYourHours.com's fully functional free trial. There's no credit card required and absolutely no obligation. And don't forget that Legal Talk Network customers receive a 10% lifetime discount by typing Legal Talk in the promotional code field when you sign up. Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager, is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis Firm Manager at no charge or to learn more, 
Visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. Has the recent economic climate affected the financial goals of your firm? Get back on track with help from SunTrust. Our private wealth management legal specialty group works solely with lawyers and their firms to deliver unique solutions designed for the legal community. SunTrust advisors give you sound guidance on everything from maximizing cash flow and waiting through benefits planning to understanding how to retain attorneys and staff. Learn more at www.suntrust.com legal. SunTrust. Live solid. Bank solid. SunTrust Bank. Member FDIC. Need to reach lawyers on the go? Try marketing with new media here on Legal Talk Network. We can start the conversation for you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and shoot us an email or call us at 781-551-9960. Welcome back to the Unbillable Hour on Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, joined by Schiffer Burke, president and founder of Burke Consulting, who has a national reputation as a premier rapport-building coach and financial behavior specialist. We're going to hear a little bit later about where people can uh, reach you, but what I wanted to talk about now uh, was following up on on your last uh, statement about you know uh, regulating uh, both yourself and the person you're you're uh, trying to communicate with, and some of the negative impacts of not being able to have those uh, healthy uh, communications with people. Okay, so. Um, Rodney, stop me when you want to talk about negative um, reactions. Um, okay. So, so some of the tools, some of the, the straightforward tools are some, like, initial, um, so one of them is just a literal question. Like, um, am I having the right conversation? You know, just before you even start, what conversations am I not having? What would the right conversation be? What, what am I trying to get at here? So that you're really honed in. Many of us just kind of dive in, and we're not sure. We're not. We're not necessarily even on the target, let alone at the bullseye. So, am I holding the right conversation, the right crucial or vital conversation? One of the suggestions that works best for most of us is the recognition that we really have to focus on ourselves first. So, what do I really want out of this? And consistently through the conversation, am I behaving in ways that move me toward my goal? Because often we can notice, if we're paying attention, we can notice, ah, you know what, I'm getting, you know, I'm I'm avoiding right now, I'm getting mushy, I'm not being clear, I'm starting to attack. Um, So we start to notice and we can, you know, shift and um, regulate a bit um, we'll move toward the, the, the fine point, align, that's the word I want. We can kind of align ourselves again. We need to be able to learn to look for when a conversation is becoming, moving from casual to, um, you know, to really important. And important in this sense is both it's um, maybe this is one in which we haven't initiated, we're suddenly engaged with someone else, and we can feel like, ha, you know, we've just moved from just chatting to this is a really crucial, important conversation. And sometimes we notice it because we notice our, what some people would call style under stress. We start feeling stressed. And usually the extremes of that style are withdrawal, 
i.e. abandoning, you know, in some way I want to, like, get out of here, or attacking or blaming. So we get either really passive or really aggressive, or somewhat passive, somewhat aggressive, but enough that what starts to happen is that the safety of the conversation, the good, the mast that's kind of, you know, nice and straight starts to shift because there's, you know, the the emotional wind is starting to pick up. And that may come because the other person is feeling under threat or it may be that we are and we're doing something. So, again, they may be starting to back off or starting to attack or we are. When we notice that, so so what conversations you know, am I having, are they the right ones? Am I noticing during the conversation what I really want? And am I acting in ways that um, will move me, you know, in that direction of, the, you know, good outcome? I'm noticing now myself and the other person, and it looks like we're we're rocky here. Then we need to find a way to reestablish the safety. So we need to get that mast upright. We need to get thing, the wind to calm down. So that may be an apology when appropriate. Maybe we started to blow it or we started to back off. And we can say, you know, uh, you know, in some way that doesn't have to be some big, you know, super huge, I'm sorry, but some acknowledgement. Oh, you know, sorry, I just zoned out. You know, I'm back. Or, you know, um, I really do want to hear what you have to say. So that would be one kind of acknowledgement. And, and and what if the other person is just becoming very aggressive? I mean, that's obviously something that a lot of people find in these situations is the other side is doing exactly what you're talking about. You know, they're becoming, they either back off or become super aggressive. Is there like a good way f- for the the individual to then try to diffuse the other side from becoming super aggressive? There is. I think there's, like, my my favorite way is to ask myself at those times, because I don't love when somebody gets aggressive with me, I start to think, what's our mutual purpose? What's our, what's our mutual purpose? What is our common goal here? And when I can find the common goal inside myself, which is usually not too hard with, again, once, these are, these are, you know, things that people have to practice, but, um, but we get better and better at it. What is the common goal? And, you know, again, for attorneys, they're used to thinking in those terms. Um, so the common goal might be that we both want our client to um, X, or at home, we want our kids to, bo- to be independent. We may have a completely different thing about um, how we think that we're going to get to independence, or if it's about money, you know, the, that you and a colleague are having some issue around money, maybe, you, maybe it's a partner, and you each have a different idea about how you're supposed to be spending, and the partner gets aggressive about, that's the stupidest idea I ever heard, you're trying to drive us into the ground, we're going to, you know, be bankrupt tomorrow, you might be able to, if you can breathe and be um, in that third-party objectivity, you might be able to say, you know, I really get your concern here. And you and I really are on the same page about wanting the the practice to be viable and be profitable. I'm with you on that. I want the practice to be profitable, too. So just try to bring it back to a common common ground. Exactly. Some, some, it must, but at times, is, I mean, is it, is it, is it ever, do you ever find it, 
um, good to like, I mean, or appropriate to like totally separate for a short period of time? Absolutely. I mean, is it is it all right to ever, you know, stop the conversation and say, okay, I got to take a breather, but we'll get back to this conversation very soon? Yeah, that that is, a, a, it's not only okay, it's a great thing to do, you know, okay. and you can be as transparent as you want or not about it. You can be like, you know what, I'll be I'll be back in a few minutes. I need to hit the bathroom or, you know, uh, you know, I'm 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 starting to um get kind of pissed and I want a break or um it could be almost anything, but taking a break is really good because what it does is it moves you has a chance for you to move back into the cortex and out of that that part of the brain, the limbic system that wants, you know, you to either run really fast or punch the person who's in front of you to, you know, get them to get safety. We want right. safety physically, and we're not thinking well. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, Shifra, unfortunately, we are running out of time, and I, I have like a dozen more questions I want to talk to you about. But well, maybe uh, have to do part two. <laughs> exactly. We're going to may, maybe have to do part two, but a really special thanks to you uh, today, and it's always such a great pleasure talking to you and listening to you. I always learn so much about it. Uh, what I'd like to do is ask you to let our listeners know where they can, um, you know, contact you or find out more about you. I know you have some newsletters. Can you tell us a little bit about where people can find you? Sure. Um, the easiest is um, BurkeConsulting.com, and that's Burke with an I. So it's my name is spelled really strangely. It's S as in Sam, Z as in zebra, I. F is in Friday, R-A, and it's B-I-R-K-E. So BurkeConsulting.com will give you all the information you need. My phone number is 978-446-9600. And if you would like the newsletter, you can you can sign up through the website, or you can just email me, um, Shifra at BurkeConsulting.com. And again, that's S-Z-I-F-R-A at Burke, B-I-R-K-E, Consulting.com. And if people have questions or want a little information, um, that would be great. And um, between my husband, who does similar work, and myself, we're 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 good to talk about this difficult conversation stuff, and we never got the chance to talk about money today. But it would also be really um, good for people to um, have the chance to to think about and talk about all the money related issues that come up. So absolutely, absolutely. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Please feel free to continue this discussion with me on Twitter, where you find me at Rodney Dow. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. I hope you'll join us again on the next Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Thank you. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast with Attorney Rodney Dowell. Join us again for the next edition right here on the Legal Talk Network.
Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app.